Hello and welcome to The Hannah Hundel Show. I'm your host, Hannah Hundel, and The Hannah Hundel Show is a syndicated program. Here on The Hannah Hundel Show, we feature the world's foremost experts for groundbreaking discussion within their respective fields, spanning medicine, science, technology, business, politics, policy, law, and more. Join me, your host, Hannah Hundel, on a mission to unpack and understand how contemporary high-impact issues are being tackled by the world's most influential leaders. For today's episode, I'm happy to bring you an installment in our 2020 U.S. presidential series, as we have an interview with Democratic candidate Joe Sestak, the former representative for Pennsylvania's 7th Congressional District. Representative Sestak is a former three-star admiral in the U.S. Navy, and Representative Sestak has cited his young daughter's recovery from brain cancer as his impetus for joining the political realms in order to fight for quality health care, among other issues, for the American people. Representative Sestak is a proponent of STEM education, having presided over a global robotics Olympics for young people. Please join me now in welcoming to the program Representative Joe Sestak. So, Representative Sestak, I wanted to jump in first with a question about why you've decided to run at this time. It's a crowded Democratic field. The stakes are high. Why have you decided to throw your hat in the ring? I could not get in earlier, Hannah, because my daughter, uh, who at four years old had brain cancer, uh, and was the reason I actually got into Congress and survived, I went back to my two-to-one Republican district and ran on the theme, I'm a retired Navy admiral, running on national security that begins at home and health security. And I won, but this time it came back about a year ago. And so I needed to focus upon that and she she was in a safe harbor and beat the single-digit odds again. So that's why I'm late, but that's okay. Everyone gets in and has a different challenge. Mine is that I actually am blessed because of our nation. It invested in me in something that I feel is probably what this nation might want today. And so I wanna return that investment. We actually need someone that can actually heal our nation's soul, who actually, what the people most want is someone who will be accountable to them, above party, mm-hmm. above special interest, above self. They really want someone, as I did, represented two-to-one Republican district, getting reelected without spending a dime on one campaign ad by 20 points I won. But yet, when my own had a wonderful voting record of 100% by NARAL to NF by the NRA, but I could get reelected by, by two-to-one Republican district. So number two is, I think that's what's needed, but I also have a depth mm-hmm. and breadth of global experience. And if we don't stop retreating from the world behind walls, thinking that's where we're going to be great again. America is first when we convene the world for our collective good, whether it's climate change or whether it's an illiberal world order that China is imposing its values of might makes right. So I believe that the singular investment in me by this nation actually is demonstrated. For example, when I stood up, even against my own party, when they supported our inspector, becoming a Democrat, the man as a senator who humiliated Anita Hill. And she brought forward sexual harassment claims against now Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. I said no and ran against him. I think that is what our nation needs. Are you standing for people? And do you have the global experience to protect us here at home? And then with that trust, 
I can mm-hmm. ensure we can pass domestic policies. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned your daughter, and I understand that when you were running for a Congress in 2006, you were very open in sharing the story of how your daughter's fight for health was an eye-opening experience for you about the need in this country to widen access to health insurance. Is that a policy issue that you still see as mission critical today? And what do you propose we do on this front? Absolutely. Uh, It's such a personal issue, health security. Uh, Mm -hmm. Look, first off, we have to restore the Affordable Care Act, but we need to advance it with a public option to expand access. I voted for the public option, Hannah, when Mm -hmm. I was in Congress. Unfortunately, the Senate and the White House took it out because of the pressure from insurance companies. But with this public option, we then have a transition of choice towards Medicare for all or single payer. I say choice because it proves itself by showing a lower cost, better access, and that is what we need, better medical care. But there's 200, Hannah, there's 255 million Americans today who are in some form of private health care, even if you're Medicare Advantage or Medicare Advantage or Medicaid managed care. I'm on private health care. Umana runs the military's health care program. If someone had tried to rip out my health care when my daughter's brain cancer would come out in the next year or two, no, people, how we treat people is important when we try to take care of them. So it needs to be a transition of choice with the public option like we tried to do in the Affordable Care Act. And then with that success in cost and quality service, it becomes the incentive to a much more credible system where you remove the uh, health insurance company. Second, I want to allow Medicaid to bargain for the best drug prices directly with the pharmaceutical industry. Mm -hmm. And I want to permit reimportation of less expensive drugs from Canada. And I want to fix our mental health system. Hannah, we have less psychiatric beds today than we did in 1850. And you know, and you know what our two biggest mental health hospitals are? Riker Prison in New York City and Los Mm -hmm. Angeles prison system. We have, it's the largest illness in America. And you know, if we had, if we would enforce what I worked on with Representative Kennedy and sat beside Senator Kennedy who came to the House floor as we voted for the Mental Health Parity Act and Mm -hmm. all we would, and if we enforce it, then mental health could equal treatment of physical health. National security begins at home in health security. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of your advocacy for improved access to mental health services, I understand that your father was a veteran, you as well. And I thank you for your service. And I wonder if that's at the root of your insight into this issue. And even beyond that, I'd be curious to hear about what you think your naval background gives you in terms of your particular understanding of the issues that this country faces at home and abroad. What a Great question. And the answer is yes. I would tell people that come aboard an aircraft carrier, 5,000 sailors. They run a mm-hmm. nuclear reactor. They fix your plane for your takeoff, and their average age is 19 and a half. And you know what, Hannah? We don't even ask them a question of the plane's fixed when they do it. We hold them, and they are accountable. But this is what we do. We give everyone in the military health care the day they walk in and for their families. No questions asked. Mm-hmm. Number two, women get equal pay from the very moment they step on board as men. Third, you can't get promoted when I was leaving the Navy if you were enlisted unless you had earned at least an associate's college degree in a technology. And second, with our time and money, 
The officers also couldn't get promoted if you didn't have a master's because we valued education and skill for a lifetime and then earn a pension. I used to pause and say, everybody in the military is a Democrat. They just didn't realize it. (laughs) (laughs) My point is that more than that, though, as I sit there, I watch these youth, and I remember the day where this plane had to be checked out and shut down. It was just about to take off as it was strapped into the catapult, engines turning, ready to be launched over Afghanistan, and suddenly they needed a different plane. Pilot did not turn off their engine to a young 19 and a half year old youth walked out on that dark carrier deck at two o'clock in the morning under the plane. It first unhooked the belt that it was tied to the catapult because if you turn off your engines and you're still locked to that belt and somebody pushes the button by mistake, you go off and the engines aren't working. That pilot waits. And then that when that young man or woman walks in front of them, they look down at them and they give a very simple signal, turning their hand above their head. And that young man and woman has taught me, has taught my father, has taught this nation what this country most wants. Go ahead. You can trust me, pilot, because I'm mm-hmm. going to stand here right in front of that plane. And to your staff, shut off your engines, get on deck and are safe, because if I made a mistake, you're going to go right through me and I'm going to go to my death with you if I made a mistake. And no one in America believes anybody in D.C. would ever stand in front of that plane for them. That's what it taught me, accountability for not just your word, for your deed. You've uh, taken to task President Trump on a number of issues. In your estimation, how would you best summarize the effect of a Trump presidency on this country? And what specific part of that equation most unsettles you? I believe that the division that has occurred in America, just like a division on a crew by the captain of a ship and the tenor and the tone he takes has been most harmful to our nation. If we cannot have someone who can treat people with respect, you cannot find a one word from me where I've ever put down the Republican Party. You can on policies to say I disagree on mm-hmm. this, but to treat people and disagree well with them is what we most need to heal our nation's soul. Second, to actually bring our nation home, kicking bruised allies, leaving them left behind and selling them. It's a wrap. <laughs> My gosh. Mm-hmm. I, the sculpture that is closest to the Oval Office today, Hannah, is not of an American. It's a foreigner that our forefathers consciously placed nearest to the commander-in-chief of the United States of America, consciously, because it wanted to remind everyone that America won its freedom only because of that general, General Rochambeau, who was sent by France to stand beside George Washington at the Battle of Yorktown, who commanded American troops there with his own French ones to help win our victory over, over Britain. It's mm-hmm. to remind everyone we could not have won, nor can we maintain and expand our American dream without our allies and friends ashore. Abroad, And so that is what I find has been most harmful. The character of America is at risk at home. And number two, how we treat those who we most need and who have been there with us forever. When I arrived in the Arabian Sea with my aircraft carrier battle group waiting there for us with an international MATA from Japan to Germany to Italy to, uh, to Australia and Canada and many others, they were all there waiting to become part of us. Because there in that distant sea, there's a realization that America's greatest power 
is his power to convene, to bring other nations together for a common cause. And the Italian Minister of Defense said in a message to us, we Italians will be there. Many may think we're better lovers than warriors. He said in his message, but America has been attacked and we will be there for them because they shared our values. That is what is at risk today. And that was an interview with 2020 Democratic presidential candidate, Representative Joe Sestak. I really value today's conversation, and I hope you found it informative, too. You have been listening to The Hannah Hundle Show. I'm your host, Hannah Hundle, and I thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you next week.